All right. Good morning, everybody. This is Pastor Paul here. I'm on the team, pastoral team at Four Oaks Church, and so glad that you have joined us. It is, let's see here, Thursday, October 28th, and the fall weather is upon us. So October 28th, 2021, if you've stumbled onto this feed, we call this Romans Rewind. So we've been preaching through the book of Romans on Sunday mornings at Four Oaks Church. But Romans is so rich. There's so much there. There's so much uh, theological material and and just beauty and majesty of the Word of God that we don't have time to do everything on Sunday mornings, right? So we're taking these 10 or 15 minutes on weekdays here to unpack a portion of Romans that we didn't get to, or maybe didn't get to spend as much time with while we were preaching. And so we're in the middle of Romans chapter 3. We're going to be starting Romans chapter 4 this Sunday. And our devotionals will pick up there on Monday. But for these last couple of days, we are winding down um, a real in-close look at Romans chapter 3. And this is where Paul has introduced the whole idea of justification by faith and how and how not one is made right before God. And so we're going to pick this up in uh, 3, verse 27 through 31. I'm going to read the passage, and I want to hone in on something that we didn't get to spend much time on or any time on when we preach through this. And by the way, if you ever have any questions about any of the stuff that we're covering, um, email me, paul.gilbert at forkschurch.com. We'll try to work your questions and observations in that way. But for now, let's look at Romans 3. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one. Who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? Do we then overturn the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Now, theologians... Um, hold to a particular doctrine, and by theologians, I'm talking about orthodox, conservative, evangelical scholars, theologians, hold to this idea of the simplicity of God. Now, what does that mean? It means that God does not exist in parts, right? So when we talk about the attributes of God, for example, love and joy and peace and patience and majesty and he's justice and righteousness and holiness and merciful, that God is not just a little bit of all of those things. He is 100% all of those things at the same time. And the reason it's this is such a crucial idea to hold on to, this idea of the simplicity of God, is that we, one, know that God doesn't exist in parts, that there's not a part of God that wants to do one thing and then a part of God that wants to do something else, like in human um, emotions and attributes. This is not like um, when God is one thing, he ceases, when God shows, for example, justice, that he ceases to be merciful. It, it keeps us from dividing up God. It keeps us from kind of being theological schizophrenic, so to speak, and being able to trust in God that he is 100% all of those attributes and that he always does what is right and for his own glory. And Paul introduces us to this concept of God's oneness. Look in verse 30 when he says, since God is one. Now he says this in response to 
Okay, the question in verse 29, he says, is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? So there were, again, there were people um, in the religious circles, Jewish circles, who claimed sort of a monopoly on God um, in the sense that um, God had appeared to them and their ancestors had passed the law down through them, the covenants, the promises. And this was something they held uh, to a large degree, uh, a real um, self-sufficient, sufficient, prideful spirit towards and really thinking that, yes, they God had called them above all the other nations to be his people. And that became a point of boasting for them, a point of pride. Of course, that's the wrong way to look at it because God began with Israel, but it was, as we said yesterday, it was always his divine intention to, through the nation of Israel, the seed of the Messiah, to, to save the world, right? To, to come to the whole world. Um, and that God was not a territorial God. He was not just a God of one people, but not a God of another people. So remember, again, the context here in the ancient Roman world, polytheism reigns. Um, you would have multiple gods that you would worship and pay homage to. Okay, the God of the sea, the God of the air, the God of the sun, the God of the harvest, the agriculture. And you would do all these things at the same time. You'd build little shrines to them. You'd offer up um, sacrifices to them. And it was all a, a way to go about earning or getting the favor um, of God. Well, where this, of course, runs into a muck when it comes to Christianity is that Christianity, Judaism says, there is only one God. He is the one true God. There are not rivals to God. There are not um, lesser deities that want to step forward and displace him. He is the one true God, the only God. And he is the God of everyone, okay, of all people, of all places, and of all nations. And, and here, I think Paul's concern in stating that God is one, that he's the God of both the Jews and the Gentiles, is to head off this idea that the Jews... Um, possess some sort of secret knowledge or some sort of insider language, like a kind of like a password to a clubhouse or um, a, a login key to get into an encrypted computer, that it was somehow secret, only known to the Jews, only propagated by them, represented by them, and that this one way of salvation um, belonged exclusively to them, the Jews. Paul wants to say here, no, 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 no. It's not as if, first of all, that God is not the God of just the Jews. He's the God of everybody. And because he's the God of everybody, he's a just God. He's a fair God. He judges everyone um, according to a fair, righteous standard, okay? So he, again, they thought, hey, you're justified by works of the law. You're justified by um, circumcision. Paul's big point in this passage, again, no, you're not justified um, by your works, by what you do, you're justified through faith, holding on, trusting in the promises of God. And what Paul wants to do here is to say, and this offer of the gospel, this offer of free grace is available to everyone. It's not meant to be this hidden piece of secret knowledge. This is not some sort of Gnostic um, knowledge that is known only to a select few. It's not as if God is a territorial tribal God just to the Jewish people and just working through them. No, no, no. He is a God who is God to everyone, 
all of the nations. There is none who rival him. There are no, there are no rivals, right? There are no little gods. Uh, there's only one, the one true God, and he saves in the way that he has designed for, for men and women to be saved is through faith. Um, and that applies to whoever you are, how old you are, your background, your religious affiliation, non-religious affiliation, rich, poor, um, color of your skin. None of that ultimately matters. The only thing matters at the end of the day is have we exercised our faith, okay, and been trusting in God to do what he said he would do, to forgive us of our sins that he said he would forgive, and to trust him and to follow him and to commit our very lives to him. That's Paul's ultimate concern, and is to throw the the door, the gospel doors wide open um, to, to know that God is God of the world. You know, God, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So for us, it always behooves us to, to remember that the blessings and grace that we have received um, from through Jesus Christ, our personal salvation, that this is news meant to be shared. This is news meant to be lived out. This is news that's meant to be proclaimed. It's not meant to be kept uh, as a secret and we're sort of hiding it away and embarrassed by it or it's or thinking that, hey, you know, that's I have my truth and let other people have their truth. Um, not at all, right? Um, this is true for everyone, applicable to everyone, available to everyone. And that's Paul's burden in this text. It's to let the Gentiles know and to let the Jews know that 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 he's let the Gentiles know that the door, heaven's door is open wide because of the gospel, because of the death, the, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus on our behalf. All right, so that's it for today. We'll close it out tomorrow, Friday, um, our last little devotional here in Romans 3 before picking up Romans 4 on Monday. So glad you've joined us. Let me pray. Lord, thank you that you have offered yourself to everyone and that you're not a tribal God, you don't deal in secret knowledge, that you have made it clear, evident um, who you are and what we are called to do in response to who you are. And so, Father, we pray now that we would carry with us that day that sense of you being the Lord over every area of our life and every person in the world, and that all would come to know you. Lord, that's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody, thanks. See you tomorrow.